<laughs> the dream. It's gonna be you soon, man. Yeah. Soon enough. I think so. What's going on, or I should say, you? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NBA strategy show presented by No House Advantage. I'm Dave Lockram at Lafay underscore D on the Twitters, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners, joined by Eric Lindquist at Eric Lindquist, hanging out for game one of the NBA finals on the strategy show. It's finally here, man. We got Boston. We got the Warriors. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, I was thinking about this. The last couple seasons we've had have been so weird. We had the bubble season during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. That was all out of whack. Um, we still loved it. it. It gave us basketball, but it was still a bubble season. It wasn't the same feel. And then last year, you had the short, you had the abbreviated season that started late and, 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 and even ended late. And the finals went, what, like into mid-July or something. Yeah. So we're finally getting back on track. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this one. I will say the last year NBA Finals has a little special place in my heart because the FanDuel Fantasy Championship was last year and I got to fly out and, and meet up with Rinpack in Miami. FanDuel rented out a yacht. We were able to hang out. I got to meet Alex Baker, Steve Buzzard, all the guys here at the company. And we got to have a pretty good time, I would say, in, in Miami, Florida for game three of that NBA Finals. Watched it on a yacht, got to hang out with like De'Aaron Fox, uh, he was the the guest speaker and then hung out with everybody afterwards. I can't remember who it was that was the rapper that we got to watch on the yacht as well. It was, oh, uh, I can't even remember it now. Bubba Sparks, maybe? Maybe it was. Somebody will have to remind me. It was... If Bubba Sparks was there? <laughs> I think it... I, I can't remember right now. I'm going to have to have Ryan uh, come in to save me and let me know who it was. It was outrageously fun, whoever it was. I, I just can't recall. What a, what a South Dakota thing to not remember the rapper. Did he do, well, most people don't remember Bubba Sparks. Did he do Deliverance? You would remember that. Fish <laughs> I do. Paul in a bottle of shine. Yeah. yeah, come on now. Bubba Sparks. Booty, booty, I've been booty, traveling booty, booty, for some time. That's a good song, man. Again, you, how, how did this happen? Back-to-back -back shows that I've done now, Terry sang before I did, you sang before I did. Like, what are the odds of that happening on a well, show you that I've done? Bubba on? Sparks or Paul Wall, and you just can't help yourself. Yeah, it's you remember say. Paul Wall back in the. Do you remember Paul Wall sitting sideways? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, for me, it was always I was the ludicrous fifty cent uh, G unit mark. Like that was my life. That was I thought I was really cool driving around in my Honda Civic uh, in in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, with the top down, and then getting out of the car. Hello, neighbors. How are you? <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> I smell, you know what? Listen, I, I was the same. I had a, a Honda Pre, a 92 Prelude SI. Loved oh, yeah. it, but loved yeah. it. Yeah, had the leather car. My first car it was like 4,500 bucks, and, but I loved it. It was kind of futuristic. It had a dash that went all the way across. Like the, it was you know, the light up electric dash went all the way. It felt like it was, you know, not made in 92, but then I had the two JBL subs in the back. Thought, thought I was the man. Had See, the bucket seats in the back. You you were on to something before I was, because I think it was like around 17, 18 years old when I started like driving my friends to school. I'd pick them up and, and, and we would all drive together. Your car already sucks when you're 16, 17 years old. You get your first car. Like it, it's not presentational in that way. It's the accessories. Whatever you can do 100%. to accessorize your car. And we put in a new stereo. And the thing just, it was the loudest we could possibly be driving into school every day. And like, 
you know, for, for South Dakota, it was, we had like a 2,500 person high school, like one of the biggest high schools in the Midwest, just in terms of just people that went to it. And so we always wanted to make a scene pulling up and, and you make a scene pulling up, you have some kind of accessory to, to help yourself out and you're living the high life when you're 17. You are, but dude, I loved that car. Like, even if it wasn't, <laughs> I loved that car. I did. I put, I put rims on it, you know, Oh yeah. the, the intake exhaust, all that stuff. I mean, we, we all know they're not very fast. Might've been quick, but it didn't matter. Like you said, I was 16 years old, man. It yeah. was the best. It was the best. Those days, I might go get another one of those. See if I can find one for like five grand. Just park it out back. Yeah, just take it out of Jordan's college fund. No big deal. Yeah, that's, well, why would you? Yeah, exactly. Where'd my college money go? Oh, I bought a 1992 Honda to remind <laughs> me of my teenage years. Nostalgia. I'm uh, all about nostalgia, man. I don't know yeah. about you. Episode three of, uh, of Obi-Wan yesterday. Are you, are you a Star Wars guy at all? I mean, I've seen the first three, you know, the, the real ones. And then I saw I saw a couple of the ones they made after that, but I, I haven't followed up on anything. I haven't watched, what are they on, like Apple Plus or something? Or Disney, uh, Disney Plus? Plus? Yeah. I haven't watched any of those, no. I mean, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, my wife doesn't really know anything about Star Wars, and she was very, very enthralled by everything that was going on yesterday on the episode. It was it was like watching your childhood imagination. Like, that's that's the best way to describe it. It was one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in a long time. And not just because I'm a Star Wars geek, but because I thought it was just really well done. Uh, these budgets that they have for streaming services out of control. I know. And, and Netflix has decided they're going to stop giving uh, all these like big time actors carte blanche on whatever they want to do. Yep. Some people are against it. Some people, like they said, they won't do, won't do something like the Irishman again. I thought the Irishman was overrated, quite frankly, but. Great. I'm Agreed. watching We Own the City on HBO. Now, are you a Wire fan? Because my humble opinion, best show ever made. Yeah, this is so I can't remember what my wife did. So she works at Paramount, Paramount Plus. But there was some reason she was doing something for We uh, We Own the City. And she had like all the screeners. And we were able to watch a little bit of it early, which was cool. But um, yeah, got some early uh, sneak peak kind of stuff, which is one of the fun things about the industry out here. Jordan Klein, I'm sure is familiar down there, but uh, you get to see like the early screeners of shows. They'll send you like a first episode or two uh, ahead of time. So you're watching, you know, the bare bones, the very first, you're like one of the very first people on planet earth to see something. It's always a fun feeling. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. We own the city though. I mean, David Simon produced it. Mm -hmm. Same guy as the wire. It's yep. I'm two episodes in and I'm like, and they got some character. They got some actors from the wire too, like Mar the guy who played Marlo was in it. Okay. I think Bodie and a couple of those guys. So yeah, check it out. John, I, what's his name is the lead guy on we on the city. John, the guy who's the punisher, right? The only punisher I saw was because I've never, I haven't seen any comic book movies. Like any, okay. I, I, I don't think I've seen any of them ever except there was one with um it was the punisher but it was with somebody else what was the one where he throws the hot pot of water in the russian's face no idea john bernthal is the guy i'm thinking of that's not who i'm thinking of yeah we own this city that's that's john bernthal there we go okay Found it. i'm thinking of the other one. water huh punisher with it i mean it's not like wasn't Ben Affleck and something like that too? It, it's like Ben Affleck adjacent. No, I think I his last was. name is the name of a lady. Okay. 
but <laughs> very specific. Oh uh, man, you'll, Kelly. Uh, some, no, not Kelly. Some uh, someone will, someone will tell us in chat. You only, right. you can always rely on chat too to just come through when you need him to. So far they haven't, but uh, somebody uh, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Okay. Told you it's the name of a lady. <laughs> Way to go, Laffy. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Crushing the All game. Right. All right. Well, get the sip of the coffee. Let's get this thing started. It's it's NBA final season. This can't yeah, get man. Hit that thumbs up if you guys haven't done so yet. Subscribe to the channel. All that stuff takes us a long way. Helps us keep the lights on. I wouldn't ask you if it didn't help us. And uh, if you want to join, hit join down below. I mean, look how many members we got in chat now. It's a beautiful thing. We got Jordan Lockhart gifting our boy El Negro Loco gifting him. I gifted some memberships. Some people are just grabbing them on their own because who wants to be excluded from such a wild community that we've got going on here? Free super chats each month, the custom emojis, the sweet badges. They get cooler over time. You see Steven's iced out with the one year. And we'll always prioritize your questions and comments along with our premium Discord members. We've also been in the works. We're talking, it's in the works about getting some other cool perks for our members, uh, especially those you guys have been with us for as long as you have. So thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. Let's make it happen, man. So Let's do it. F- first things first, who do you got tonight? Warriors or Boston? Warriors laying three and a half. I'll tell you where I'm at after you tell me. I'm taking the three and a half with Boston. Um, okay. There's just no way that I'm not. Uh, if you look at the ESPN basketball index as well, it's nearly 60% Boston, which again, that's not like some massive gauge for how this series is going to go. But uh, Golden State, I get it. You have 92 uh, NBA finals games uh, appearances for this Golden State team as a whole. You have zero on the Boston side. Uh, there's definitely something to be said about that. And yet still, I find it so fascinating because i i mean i marcus smart is just a different type of defender and we're gonna see if steph curry can literally run in circles because marcus smart just gets his body in the way of things and it feels like that specific matchup is all i'm looking forward to in the series of course andrew wiggins playing at the height of his powers right now uh never saw that in minnesota but i just think that marcus smart is going to find some kind of success against steph curry with his frame with his ability um, obviously Steph is so smart at avoiding the charges and other things that, that Marcus smart would otherwise be flopping and pulling off. But I think that matchup specifically goes towards Marcus smart. And if I think that, uh, defensively Boston, just isolating, just so many spots where they can create the matchups that they want defensively, they have Derek white knocking down shots for the first time all year. I think there's certain things that are just trending towards the Boston side. So if you're giving me three and a half, I'm definitely taking that side. Okay. I don't feel comfortable with a side. I do like Warriors money line at minus 160, though. Interesting. I, they're, they're the home team. They have experience. They're 9-0 and at home this postseason. 9-0. and Granted, Boston, very good on the road this, year, this postseason. 7-2, and 8-1 and against the spread. So that works in your favor. But when you look at what we've seen for Boston the past two series, They've gone seven with Miami and Milwaukee. Milwaukee was without Chris Middleton, a huge Mm -hmm. loss. Excuse me. Forced to do everything with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Miami. Bam Adebayo was a ghost for for four out of the seven games in that series. Tyler Hero was either out or playing terribly. And Jimmy Butler, once again, forced to do everything. So 
I look at a team like this, even if you're capable of slowing down Stephen Curry, you still have Clay Thompson. You, you still have Wiggins. You still have uh, Jordan Poole off the bench, who's been a revelation uh, as a sixth man this year. I think they have a lot of ways to to mitigate what they try to do with Steph. Whereas when you're Boston, when you're Boston facing these other two teams, and I take nothing away from the you know the reigning NBA champs in Milwaukee or Miami who finished first in the Eastern Conference, but it's a lot different when those two teams have the 11th and 15th best assist rates in the postseason, and Golden State by a mile has the top assist rate in the league. Just different elite ball movement than Boston's seen. Uh, and I think that can make a difference today, given home court and given the uh, given the overall experience of this basketball team. Yeah, let's not cherry pick, though, the, the fact that Golden State has had a path of the Nuggets, where there's really no secondary option outside of Jokic. The Mavericks, sure. there's really no secondary option outside of Luka Doncic. And the Grizzlies, say what you want about John Morant absent on this uh, on this NBA team or on the on the Grizzlies throughout this season, um, where they just kind of played above their heads. But this is the playoffs we're talking about here. I think John Morant would have been a complimentary nice piece to have on the floor as one of the top young players in the NBA, uh, regardless of your stance about his defensive prowess, uh, you know, and, and how they played absent him and Tyus Jones as a decent backup. I mean, they had a pretty easy path themselves. Uh, I was never a Phoenix stand, but uh, not having to face a Phoenix Suns team that can at least bring some matchup problems and has large wings in Macal Bridges and Jay Crowder things that could have created some kind of issues for the Warriors. Pretty much everything uh, landed about as perfectly as you could ask for from the Warriors' side to, to not have to face the other best team in the West, to, to basically be able to take away one option from, from two of the teams, two out of the three that they play, and then the Grizzlies not being 100%. So at the same time that I agree with you, Boston without uh, playing the, the Milwaukee Bucks without Middleton, that's gigantic. I, I picked the Bucks to win it all for a second straight year, and – uh, you know, that was a bummer for me, but I, I think the Celtics themselves just straight up defensively are going to find a little bit more success than people think against the Warriors. I don't disagree with anything. Actually, in my betting video yesterday on the Odd Shopper channel, I have one out today, too. I mentioned I, that before anyone says anything, of course, you know, you only you face the team with, with Luka Doncic as your number one guy that's forced to do everything. Of course, they cleaned up and took them in five games and it was an insanely easy series. And then against Memphis, they got blown off the floor in one of those games. But that was a throw. We saw them joking and dancing on the floor. I mean, that's another <laughs> series where, you know, outside of a couple of games. Yeah, of course, the John Morant thing is big. But that's why, like I said, I'd rather it. Even if all of that is neutral, that's why I like the money line. Because you're getting home court and you're getting a more experienced team. So even if all of that is neutral, given their matchups leading up until this point, uh, I could see taking three and a half with Boston, but if you're if you're asking me who wins this game, uh, I'll take the team that's 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 been there a lot. I have Golden State in seven games, so I think that's pretty reasonable. They'll have home court advantage in Game Seven. Do you have Boston winning the the series? Yeah, I I, I would pick Boston in six. Of course, you know wherever home court lands, you would think that that would kind of be the case. I do think Boston wins one of these first two and. We've seen them kind of come out of the gates slow a couple times, specifically that Miami series, a number of times where Boston just looked anemic uh, offensively. Uh, that game six, just kind of very, very fervent. J it's Jason Tama only attempting 12 shots. I don't think we're going to see something like that come the NBA finals, but you just kind of never know. Um, I would pick Boston in six, but uh, Golden State in seven, I think that's kind of the chalk at this point, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, it's yeah. But but I think for a reason. I mean, I think these right. teams are so evenly matched that if I have to take something, give me give me. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded games up until Game Seven. Like, yeah. I wouldn't shock me at all. So we'll see. Money making. Mitch said uh, facts. Warriors definitely had the easier road. No challenge whatsoever. Celtics in six. I, I guess, but like Dallas took out Phoenix in seven. Mm-hmm. So you can say what you want. You could you could tell me that Miami's offense was anything better than than anemic for half of that series. That's fine. I mean, I don't know. Am am I wrong to say that Miami's offense outside of Jimmy Butler was terrible for stretches of that series? No, you're one hundred percent correct. I mean, they had to rely on Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry making plays off the ball in certain scenarios. Um, you know, maybe a Kyle Lowry being healthy throughout that series or being a a shell of himself in a couple of those games, specifically game four and five would have been very helpful and maybe changed the tide of the series. But yeah, Jimmy Butler was a one man wrecking crew. And I I know you're a stand for that guy. So uh, such is life. I wish it had worked out in Minnesota. I'm sure you wish it worked out in Philadelphia for him because the dude's just a competitor and, you know, Greg calls him soft. Greg loves to, to bash on him in that capacity. I think there is something to be said about in the regular season where he just kind of finds times off, but they also knew that he was not a hundred percent right in that series as well. The knee issue that kept him out of a second half and then bam goes explosive. And I believe game three, it was, you have a lot of uh, similar paths or similar situations that where, where Boston's ran as good as possible to get to this point. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Butler was a one man wrecking crew and, uh, they're going to have to deal with a lot more options on the floor, especially if Jordan Poole can be somehow competent in the pick and roll. And I don't think um, they're going to be able to target the matchups the way Miami was just because, you know, Jordan or like Jordan Poole specifically in the last series couldn't play nearly as much just because defensively they needed to have some bigger bodies on the floor to deal with some of the wings. They were basically just knockdown shooters they would put in the corners and, and he just couldn't guard anybody. I think Boston, just because of the smaller uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Derek White's bigger than people give him credit for. But if he's not necessarily knocking down shots, Jordan Poole might find a path to be on the floor a lot more. And that is a big game changer when you talk about that death lineup, having Draymond at the five, Steph, Clay, and Andrew Wiggins. No doubt. By the way, not a big fan of the the, the, the word a stand for somebody. Yeah, I, I'm not driving off a cliff with my pregnant girlfriend in the trunk <laughs> while penning a letter to Jimmy Butler because he didn't respond to my fan mail, Eric. I'd call But here's myself- the thing, my best, uh, your best friend, Stan. So I like saying Stan in like the M&M sense of the word. Tears come cold, I'm watching love. Right, that's exactly what I just said. That was the song where the guy's driving off a cliff with his girlfriend locked in the trunk because M&M wouldn't respond to his, his mail. I know, but I'm just saying it's 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 still nostalgia. Come on now, it's it, oh, the implied oh, meaning. It's the okay. implied. I see meaning. what you're saying. I see. It'll be all right. I, it's yeah. I, I'm gonna make it. Uh, last thing, Benjamin Spooner, and then we'll get into some 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 DFS here. Boston in five. No one's giving the Celtics a chance. They're plus one thirty to win the series, dude. I right, they're they're plus one thirty to win the series. That's. Yeah. A lot of a chance. Uh, Do we remember a lot of these other series throughout this playoff where you're talking about like Golden State against Memphis, like minus 300 or minus 250. And you're talking about the Suns that against the Mavs. Again, the the Mavs, I think, were like plus 230 or plus 
200 or something to that capacity because I bet them down 01 and down 02. Um, and it ended up being like four to one and 12 to one in those scenarios, uh, just because I just wanted to go full bore as much against that Suns team as I could. Uh, just thinking, you know, there's so many ways that Chris Paul can lose. He can have a hamstring injury or he could just play bad and be old like he is. But uh, I, I definitely don't really find anything that's a plus 130 to be some massive underdog and nor should you. No, dude, the Celtics in six is almost as as almost the same odds as as Warriors in seven. So, yeah, yeah. plus three seventy and plus three ten. What's that? I said, come on now. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you a question here. Do you think? And I think this is one of the biggest. Uh, this is one of the biggest things of this of this series, but specifically tonight because we still don't know how the rotations are going to look. Specifically, we know Tatum and Brown and Horford and smart are all going to get big minutes, right? Like we, we understand that. Uh, we know that Curry's going to play a lot. So is clay. So is Dre. If he's not in foul trouble, Wiggins, whatever. Kevon Looney though. Uh, this is the spot where I, his, they, since he in game six against Memphis, since he started playing actual starter minutes. So the last six games, golden state has been by far the best offensive rebounding team. Uh, in the postseason, and it should surprise nobody. He's been an, an absolute monster on the boards. He had 18 rebounds to close out that series against Dallas. He had 22 against Memphis in game six. 12 of them were on the offensive glass. I feel like his presence, even when you're looking at Dallas, yeah, they didn't have – they weren't guys that were just going to bang in the paint outside of somebody like Luca. They'd let him get in the paint, and then the rest of them would just sit around the three-point line, uh, and they didn't have great rebounders. But it feels like Kevon Looney's contributions to that series really cannot go overlooked. To reiterate what you said, 21.6% rebound rate in these playoffs with a 27.2% defensive rebounding rate. Um, there's just a massive potential. 15.5% offensive rebounding rate. That, that is ludicrous type stuff. That you're I bet it's the Kevon highest Looney. on his team. I bet it's the oh. highest on his team. No, no, no. Not the highest offensive rebound rating on his team it's probably higher than anyone else's actual rebound rate on the team. It is not. Draymond Green, 21. Uh, no, it is. You're 100% correct. Offensive rebounding rate, 15.5%. Draymond Green, total rebounding rate, 12.8% in yeah. these playoffs. So uh, shout out you on that one. But Damian Lee, 12.5%. That's weird. He doesn't play a lot, so it doesn't matter. But I'm looking at Kevon Looney. I how does Boston like Boston's really going to be interesting to see what they do with some lineups and Gary Payton, the second, if he ends up playing, he's going to have an ancillary role to what he did. I can't imagine that he's going it, to, it's an elbow injury. It's not going to be any kind of a cardio thing for him, but I can't imagine that they need to have him out there for some prolonged amount of time uh, with as well as Otto Porter has been playing in a backup role. Uh, I doubt Kaminga has much of an influence in this series, but the, the Boston side is so intriguing because Robert Williams could create an absolute need for Kavon Looney to be on the floor a lot more this series. And Kavon Looney playing out of his absolute mind. So I love that you brought that up right from the get-go. Because for me, you know, as much as we're looking at Marcus Smart and, and uh, Steph Curry, I love that matchup. I think that is going to be one of the biggest things to pay, uh, pay attention to this series. Don't forget, Robert Williams has not been right for, you know, two months, basically. I mean, he didn't play. And then... He comes back and he's had some some flashes, but he just didn't look right throughout that entire Miami series. Four days off, 
having an opportunity to basically rest and recoup to some capacity, having Al Horford out there. I mean, it just makes sense to me that if they're going to go small, they're just going to have Al Horford at the five a lot. But if Kevon Looney's out on the floor and, and doing massive work, I mean, Robert Williams becomes a very important part of this series. Do you think Robert Williams plays regular minutes today or are we sitting around 22, 26 again, 24? It depends. <laughs> I mean, you, it, it's the same way that I felt about Tyler Hero, where you don't know and you have to kind of embrace the volatility based on what his ownership is going to be for DFS purposes. We haven't projected it 20 minutes. I think that that's straight of the mill as good as you can possibly get. Al Horford has been out of his mind. And if he's going to be playing 44 minutes like we saw last time out and Robert Williams can't be on the floor, there you go. But I would imagine, especially in like a game one scenario, they wouldn't want to do something like that. You're looking at like a 36 minute kind of number. Robert Williams playing the five for maybe 12 minutes, specifically when Al Horford isn't on the floor. Maybe they go small and have like a Grant Williams out there, but it's going to be Draymond Green specifically that is playing the five in some of those spots. But I mean, there's a pretty large range of outcomes because if Robert Williams is out there and influencing defensive play, you have an opportunity to see him play, I'd say 26, 28 minutes if he's healthy. But he also could just be limited, and you're seeing that 14, 15 time minutes like we saw in the final game of that series, Game 7, um, you know, after playing 27, 26 minutes uh, in, in the previous two. Jason Tatum is probably going to play another 44 minutes tonight. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm serious, though. I don't just really run him into the ground. Fuck it. What's the why wouldn't you? You got I, seven... exactly that's what I'm saying. You got to win yeah. a title here. This is this is like. This is legacy time for, for somebody like Jason Tatum. You get this ring early in your career and you're free rolling the rest of the way. Yeah, man. They've been on the precipice. They just haven't gotten there. I mean, you you had a team that continuously makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's no surprise he's played 44, 45, and 46 minutes over his last three games. And, of course, you look at that game four against Miami. It was a, it was a blowout, so that didn't matter. He played 34 minutes. I don't think you, you, he's averaging 41 minutes in the postseason this series. And if you were to factor in, if you were to take out non blowout games, right? Like if you were to, if you were to exclude games that weren't blowouts, and I don't think this is going to be a blowout today, playing even more than that. So it's just, it's at a point now where if you're, if you're getting a guy like Jason Tatum, who is elite, who has a 30% usage rate, or at least he did last series. His rebounding has ticked back up considerably uh, after we saw him just just incompetent when it came to the boards through the first seven, eight games of the postseason. He's rebounding well. He facilitates. He has a 30-plus percent usage rate, and he's playing essentially the whole game. Oh, and he's a good three-point shooter. I mean, there's really nothing you could say about him that wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't be good for a night like tonight getting him into the captain spot. Yeah, he's shooting 37.5% of the playoffs so far. He's going to only improve from that. Al Horford shooting 43.2%. Thought I'd throw that out there, too. From, from three the or from the from field? From three. From three. Wow. Wow. That's absurd. I, I it just it, it, Sometimes you go through some of these numbers, and they just kind of catch you by surprise. That would be one of them. Um, but Jason Tatum, out of his mind here throughout this entire postseason, I can't imagine that we're going to ever see another game where he takes 12 shot attempts like we saw in game six. I think that that's just now off the table for him. He's been efficient. He's really opened things up for other guys. When, when Grant Williams took the, took the reins in game six against Milwaukee, he can take a backseat and be a facilitator and kind of find paths to that. 
you know, six, four, nine, five, four, five assists. I mean, we're starting to see him just distribute at a pretty high clip as well as, as just being the prolific scorer that he is. I mean, he only sported a 23.4 and 24.2% usage rate closing out game six and game seven. So when you talk about a 30% usage rate, I mean, he's kind of taking the reins early in some of these series and then opening it up for, for other guys on his team to, to knock down shots. And I mean, if Al Horford shooting 43% from three, there's massive problems coming here for the Golden State side because you're not going to have Looney stepping out on the perimeter against him. You're not going to have, you know, you're going to have to go small with Draymond and, and it's going to be problematic for them, I would think. But uh, Jason Tatum, just such a massive part of the series, but he just feels like there's so many outs for him. The rebounding rate continues to tick up. We've now seen double digit rebounds in two of the last three. That's what happens when you play 44, 45 and 46 minutes. I don't think there's any question that he's the best straight up captain play on DraftKings. He's the best straight up MVP play on, on FanDuel because different than Steph Curry, he just finds so many different ways to fill it up in the box score. Well, that's the funny thing is if you look at our ownership projections right now, free today, by the way, so are our MLB player projections. So uh, showdown and single game ownership projections under the NBA drop down and MLB player projections, both totally free today. Uh, and if you want, you want to get a half off an entire month of awesome mode plus platinum, everything on the site, literally everything on the site, uh, every single sport, even if you don't know these sports, that's why you have the tools. You want to play them. Maybe you want to watch them, maybe NASCAR or, or UFC, whatever it is. You want to learn how to get into that. You have all the simulation tools, the ownership tools, the, the top stack tools, the boom bust tools, projections for golfers, players, drivers, whatever it is, fighters, uh, every tool. If there's content, if there's contests out there, we have content for it. All these tools built by Awesome himself and, and, and managed by him and a team of other uh, amazing DFS players. So use the promo code NBA Strategy Show, all caps, all one word, 50% off the entire month. Huge discount, 50% off everything on the site for the entire month. If you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, you can do that too. And make sure to join our premium Discord. Uh, you got a great community and office hours channel where you got the pros answering your questions, helping you to better your game. So 50% off. Go to awesome.com slash join. Uh, NBA Strategy Show, all caps, all one word at checkout. So what I was saying, though, is we have – Curry with a slightly higher captain's uh, ownership than Tatum today, which to me is, is pretty shocking. Cause if you look at their owner or sorry, if you look at their usage, uh, if you look at, which is I, essentially identical throughout the entire postseason, you look at their assist rate. Curry's is like 28%. Tatum's is 25%. So not a considerable difference there. Uh, you look at Jason Tatum from a rebounding standpoint, his rebounding's way better than it was uh, against the Brooklyn Nets in the first few games against Milwaukee, but he's a better rebounder than Curry and he's playing the entire game. So I, I don't see why Curry would be higher or, or even, or even the same ownership in the captain spot as J, uh, Jason Tatum today. Absolutely with you. 8.2% rebound rate for Steph Curry in these playoffs compare that to Jason Tatum 9.1% doesn't seem that that big of a difference 25.7% assist rate that you're looking at for Jason Tatum 29.3% for Steph Curry so check it there but the massive difference is that they're just playing Jason Tatum as many minutes as you can handle and you're basically seeing him just kind of put up production uh anytime he's just been so so efficient Steph Curry he'll always have volume he'll always be that kind of a guy but 
I, I don't really understand why we think that Steph Curry now all of a sudden is going to be some prolific rebounder uh, on his team and just playing. He, he didn't eclipse the 40 minute mark in any game throughout the entire Dallas series and uh, was never in foul trouble uh, outside of the, I believe it was game three that he had gotten a little bit of foul trouble, but um, there's, there's no doubt about it. Steph Curry is, is a decent play. Can you go out and put up 70? Yeah. But it just feels so dependent upon upon scoring the rock for him as opposed to Jason Tatum, where there's so many more outs to being able to accumulate things at the box score. So, yeah, it's, it's just wrong by the field right now. I don't find it that cost prohibitive if you're building out lineups, which, I mean, it's 7.36 a.m. on the West Coast, my time. Lots of time in between now and lock. But uh, in the next 11 hours, I find it hard to believe that I still won't have double the amount of Tatum in the captain spot as Curry. For sure. It's also interesting to me that You've got Draymond Green, if you're looking at just utility pricing, talking DraftKings here, since the, the build is way different on DraftKings than it is on FanDuel or anywhere else. But uh, it's, it, there's a lot more that goes into it, I should say. But Draymond Green is 6,800 now. And he's basically the same price as Jordan Poole. And you know, I get it. Green hasn't been spectacular, to say the least. But I still think that his playing time is underrepresented. You have to bake in the foul trouble. I, I, I understand because he's been in some foul trouble uh, throughout that last series. But if he's not, we've seen him play. The two games that he wasn't in foul trouble and didn't blow out over the last, like, six games, he played 39 and 37 minutes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. He's the eighth listed salary-wise, eighth listed player on FanDuel. Um, we're talking about an 11K Draymond Green there, or a, sorry, a 10-5 Draymond Green I'm looking at here right now. That is just a great oh, 11K I'm looking at. It, it. It's different for some reason on the single game that I'm looking at. We, we have it listed wrong on Cruncher. Uh, I go to the FanDuel site, it's 11K. But uh, I haven't projected higher than Andrew Wiggins, higher than Al Horford, higher than Marcus Smart, higher than Clay Thompson. So it's, it's a guy that, on, for FanDuel purposes, where you can get the stocks and you can have a little bit uh, more buoyed type production, if he stays out of foul trouble, he's going to have to be on the floor an absolute ton, uh, especially you know if they, they play Kevon Looney off in some kind of a capacity, if Al Horford's knocking down shots, this is just going to be a small ball type game, or it could be a small, small ball type game. Um, so Draymond Green has tons of utility to work up the board for me. Uh, outside of Tatum and Curry, he's a guy that I think I'm going to take a pretty large stand on today, especially on DraftKings. We're 6,800. Just uh, I like him more than Wiggins. There's no way that I'm going to play Looney over him for 600 more. Uh, that's just not going to be the case uh, in, in a majority of my lineups. So I'm with you. Draymond Green, just kind of the glaring price uh, for today's slate. I agree. How about once you get up to if, if you were, we're moving around a little bit here on the show, you know, but. There's no real right way to do a, a showdown <laughs> strategy shot. There really isn't. Oh. Hit that thumbs up, though, if you haven't done so. We got 61 likes, 360 people watching. If you haven't done so yet, take that single second. Show us some love. Helps us a lot. Only takes a second. Appreciate it in advance. Brown, Smart, Thompson, Horford, Looney, Wiggins, Greenpool, you got Robert Williams. The, the, the pricing, oddly enough, is kind of flat today. There's no real drop-off as we saw. Like in that Dallas series, there was a huge drop-off from a like a Dinwiddie down to a Bullock, down to a Maxi Klee, but you don't really have that. It is pretty flat. But then you have this kind of tier of its own where you have Marcus Smart, 
And then you have uh, Jalen Brown really is the guy that stands out as sandwiched in between two top tier guys and Tatum and Curry, but still pretty, uh, you know, a thousand dollars North of, of Marcus smart, $1,400 more than Thompson. How are you feeling about Jalen Brown as captain today? I've been trying to get to more Jalen Brown than Jason Tatum in a lot of these spots. And I've kind of been, been eating it for most of that last series. Uh, it didn't go so well. You, you ran into the floor coming off of a 40 point actual like real point explosion that he had uh, against Miami in game three, uh, game four followed it up with 23.75 and didn't find a path to being optimal in a couple of those games in, in uh, five, six, seven. He was kind of a difficult guy to, to land on when you wanted to prioritize. You just needed to prioritize Jason Tatum and Butler together, and he fell down the wayside. I think if Steph Curry, if you're going to be shorting him, like I'm kind of planning to do in today's game, hoping that Marcus Smart can be more effective than people are, are, are expecting, Jalen Brown's going to be somebody who comes along for the ride a lot in the utility. I'm not sure about captain-wise when you're talking about a, a 10 fantasy point difference between him and Jason Tatum. Uh, if that's going to be something I'm going to land on a ton, considering there's only a 4% difference in their current captain projection. But I guarantee you I'm going to get to a lot of him in like a utility sense. And looking over on FanDuel as well, I mean, you get a $1,500 savings going down from from Steph to, to Jalen Brown. That's going to be useful to give you a little bit different look if you're trying to, you know, solo bank. And that's the goal of these is trying to, you know, find paths to get different or be duping far less than what the field is going to be doing in a majority of spots. So I think Jalen Brown, uh, a straight up swap for Steph Curry and leaving that 1500 on the table, that'll be a path I try to take to get different. I don't hate that at all. I, I do think, you know, there was a time earlier in the series where it was like, oh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really aren't that different. You know, just with the way that usage looked and, and everything. But now Tatum playing yeah. monstrous minutes. Brown's going to play a lot, but Tatum's playing more minutes. Uh, and he's just proving now that he's gotten back to rebounding well. I know he only has a 9.1 rebound rate, as you mentioned, in the, ser or in the, in the postseason. But his rebounding has improved considerably of late. Uh, and the minutes are up. So... I mean, Tatum clear far and away the best option. What about Smart and Thompson? Because Thompson's the guy, Adam and I talk about this, I feel like every time we do the deeper <laughs> dive, where it's like, yeah, Thompson can go off and have a great game. But at the same time, his floor is, of, of all of the high-priced guys, and I know Jason or Jalen Brown had that, that, that really bad game. You mentioned it, 12 points. And again, they won by 20, by the way. Very strange. Clay Thompson has... The, 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 the floor, uh, the lowest floor or Clay Thompson is going to come closer to his floor really more than any of these other guys in the price range, because he's so insanely scoring dependent. And that's what always worries me about him because what's a big game from Clay Thompson at this point, he has one fifty fantasy point game in the postseason. How many 40, 40, let's see, one, two, 43, one, 41, one, two, three, and four games of 40 plus fantasy points, but yet he's still the fourth or yeah, four, fifth highest price player. You're muted. Are you muted? Son of a biscuit. Why have I been doing this lately? Son Jordan of a Klein. biscuit. This is like the third time. Sorry. Guy said fuck earlier and now he's saying son <laughs> of a biscuit. Well, you can only use it like one time a show. That's kind of the rule. Oh, what like is my this? Parents a PG thirteen. So you're treating this as if it's a PG thirteen movie. I am PG thirteen. Okay. Yeah, that's, like that's... snakes on a plane, where Samuel L. Jackson waited for the get the. Actually, he said it twice, didn't he? He 
did. They got away those filthy bastards. Wasn't that a PG-13 movie, though? Thank you. No, I think it was R. I think it was. Are you sure? We'll find out. Here we go. Snakes I'm on like- a mother truck and plane. Snakes on a plane rating. Grand total rated R, baby. What's up? Huh. Yeah, I know. For because it's so I benign. Thought- it's not that aggressive of a movie. It's not. I thought it was PG. Do, do you know that I, I have a rule? I and maybe this is crazy. I will not watch, and I'm not not referring to snakes. But I will not watch horror movies if they're PG thirteen because nine times out of ten they're just shit. It's probably fair. We're watching. <laughs> I watched the first half of The Ring. My wife had never seen it, and I'm like, "You have to see The Ring. You have to like get through yeah. that." She's like, "Oh, this isn't that scary. We're not to the last ten minutes yet. We fell asleep." But what? Oh. <laughs> I like hurting people. <laughs> the horses, the is good. they keep her up at night. Old Sarah Michelle Geller? Uh, uh, Naomi Watts. Why did I think it was Sarah Michelle? She was in one of them. Absolutely she- no idea. Cruel intentions. Uh, fire. Absolute fire. She was in, no, Sarah Michelle Geller had to be in a horror movie. The ring was scary as shit coming out of that. Uh, and, and that was PG-13. It is, so, that's what I'm saying. Coming out of that hole was, was pretty scary. Pretty scary. Like, I don't know if you can make a good war movie that's PG-13 either. They try. I know Dunkirk was PG-13 or something. But the best war movies are rated R. You would agree, right? Absolutely. Like, how can you possibly depict war in a way that's PG-13? Right. That's exactly. That's Exactly. What... Like, if you have battle scenes. Yeah. It yeah. should not be PG-13. If it is, you're painting a false picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're watching war with rose-shaded glasses. Yeah, it should all be Braveheart. Dude, that movie is phenomenal. It's outrageous. What's better, The Patriot or Braveheart? They're two such different entities. The Patriot's fantastic for, there's like a, I I think the love threading of of Heath Ledger, and then, okay, spoiler alert, everybody, if you've never seen it, he dies, but like, the the like cutesy little scenes thrown in there. Braveheart doesn't really. It, it's 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 more aggressive throughout. I think it's probably the right way of saying it. And the Patriot has like little lulls where you're really not, you're not like all yeah. that freaked out. More family dynamic stuff Correct. in that. Yeah, although just some dark shit happened oh, yeah. in that movie. Oh, yeah. Favorite <laughs> underrated movie. dark because it's supposed to be Heath Ledger and Mel Gibson, and it's painted right. as these two good looking dudes doing whatever, and then yeah. Dude, say what you want about Mel Second Gibson. Time. I mean, the guy just all he, I, I don't know why Jordan's laughing. All he does is make good movies. Like that, that's that is an objective take. There's nothing. Forget about anything else. The guy put him on a screen or let him direct a movie and it's probably going to be good. Am I wrong? Yeah. What was that Armageddon movie, though? That, that was like the original people, like the aboriginals. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God, dude. Apocalypto was sick. Yeah, it, it was, was sick. I, I'm trying to think of like you're talking about the one with subtitles, right? In like the, yeah. the Aztec or Mayan jungle. There's just so many times oh. that people just because it's Mel Gibson and he's got the the understanding that he's got some some issues or that he's anti-Semitic or whatever it is. Um, I don't really think that's the case. I don't think anybody in LA thinks that. Well, maybe they do. Um, he said some stupid shit and a lot of people have, but I feel like he uh, was grandfathered in to say what he wanted because everyone's like, well, we can't cancel Mel Gibson because everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. Literally grandfathered as in he's 
you know, a grandpa who has these ideas and they're probably wrong. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. saying he he makes good movies and he acts really well. I'm the Northman, if we're talking underrated dark, that's not underrated dark. That is flat out dark. The Northman, right. like, wait, that's underrated, the one, right? That's the brand new one, uh, Starsguard. Uh, yeah, it's was... phenomenal. Oh, I gotta watch it, man. That seems so good. Phenomenal. So good. What's anything, your... anything where a kid watches their dad die immediately in like the first scene or anything like that, you know, shit's about to get nuts throughout this entire movie. And Dude, it is. I can't wait. I bonkers. cannot wait. Don't give anything away, please. Well, I cannot wait. Well, it's All in right. the trailer, so I don't feel that bad saying, you know. No, 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 no. I don't mean like okay. that. All right. A couple more things I want to hit on with this game. But first, favorite war movie. Chat, too. What favorite war movie ever? Gladiator, made? not close. That's not a war movie. That kind of is. Definitely not a war movie. So the first scene, the first 20 minutes is them in Germania. Just wrecking havoc. That's not a war movie. Okay. Well, I tried. I wanted to make it one. I, I wanted it. it so bad. It's my favorite movie of all time. Glad and Russell Crowe is the man as yeah. well. Yeah. Marcus Did you Rose. see the one where he plays the psychopath and the road rage? Uh, what was that called? It, it, it's, it's new, like a year or two ago. He put yeah. on like a hundred pounds for it. No, I'm going to watch oh, it now. Man. I'll, I'll send okay. it. I'll send okay. it. To, it's great. Must see. Must see. Also, uh, can you? How do you know that Adam is not on the show today? This conversation right here is yeah. how you know that yeah, Adam exactly. is not on the show today. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah never seen it. No. Uh, band, oh yeah, I've band, seen it. Yeah, right. Band of Brothers, though. If you haven't seen Band of Brothers, amazing. Thank me later. That's a that's a series. Correct. Miniseries. I, yeah. I, well, I'm not saying movie. I'm just saying like Band of Brothers is one of the greatest things ever made. Yeah. Greatest ever made. Saving Private Ryan would be up there top three for me. It's got to be. Movie. Yes. It has, has to be. No question about it. Uh, there's a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. Somebody said Pearl Harbor. You're getting timed out. That better be a joke. Put user in timeout. I don't know, but they'll take 300, se 300 seconds to figure out why they're getting timed out. Well, also known as five minutes, but for some reason, YouTube says 300 seconds. Pearl it's, less, it's less discriminatory. Five minutes is like, oh, no, you've been bad. But 300 yeah. seconds, it's like, oh, that's not very long because it's in seconds. It's all psychology. Yeah. It's all psychology. What was the one where, where Brad Pitt was the tank commander? That movie was sick. In World War II? Don't remember. Fury? Ooh, oh, yeah, man. yeah. That's a great movie. Good flick. Good flick. Do you think Derek White plays? <laughs> you just have, dude, you just have to do it. There's no segue. You just cut in and out. That's the way we do it on the strategy show here. It's, yeah. You have to. Mm -hmm. uh, he, his minutes are all over the map. We yeah. know this at this point. But last game, you saw some really weird rotations. Maybe, maybe you want to add to this a little bit. But I, all right, White comes in in the first, comes out, comes back, short, short rotation. And then in the fourth quarter, he doesn't play at all in the third, comes in for the fourth, plays like three minutes, uh, and then comes out. Robert Williams comes in for a minute, comes out. So the closing rotation for the final probably 10 minutes of that game was Horford, Tatum, Smart, Brown, and Grant Williams, who mm -hmm. literally played 20 minutes straight to close out game seven against Miami. And he still didn't work out optimal. And I had, he was my highest owned player, not named Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler in that game. Um, He's a guy that you just are trying to find paths. He's not a good fantasy producer by any means. Nobody would say that. He's a 0.67 fantasy point per minute guy on the season on DraftKings. But 
I've just always felt like if they're in a situation where he's not in foul trouble and Derek White isn't just setting the world on fire, that they're going to lean on Grant Williams defensively. Like, that's just a thing that I think they want to do in these closeout scenarios. Now, this is a game one. And, you know, we played 34 minutes in game one against Miami in Miami uh, in a loss, followed it up 32, 39, 37. And then Derek White got hot, 23, 17. And when you talk about Derek White's minutes being all, all over the map, we have to remember Marcus Smart was out for a game in the series. We have a spot where, you know, that, that kind of opened up the door for him to be a part of the rotation. He took advantage, started uh, in that game four, ends up going berserk. Uh, game five and six, he ends up playing 29 and 33 minutes. But when push came to shove, even with a 25.6% usage rate and played serviceable, I would say, Derek White still was a guy that they pulled off the floor for Grant Williams. So I think in this series, when you're talking about Andrew Wiggins being on the floor, he's going to be somebody that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown can match up pretty, pretty fervently against. But I don't know what's going to happen here. And I think it's one of the biggest questions I have as far as from a DFS purpose, because, you know, it's, it's ancillary pieces. Grant Williams, I don't think is a make or break piece of the series by any means. But uh, I, I think that from a DFS perspective, getting him or Derek, Wright, Derek White right is is going to be so paramount i just feel like Derek white's going to be so much more popular he is right now 33.7 percent, and that instantly makes me want to be going to grant williams in bulk again at 4800 i understand the floor is absolutely there but give me 30 plus minutes of him and uh, possibly a failure Derek white doesn't knock down shots for once and you're in a really really good spot against the field all right before we wrap this up because i i want to get some takes from uh uh, for some value guys here, I think it's important, especially given that Otto Porter and uh, Gary Payton, the second, appear to be trending in the right direction for today. So all of that. And of course, our ownership projections, as I mentioned, are totally free. We're still too waiting on on Andre Iguodala, who hasn't played since what, the 24th? Yeah, since the 24th. But before we do, uh, you feel good about any props today? doesn't matter because we have the free tools over at, no, at Awesome O for No House Advantage, Optimal Lineup Tool, the No, uh, no House Advantage uh, Props, Player Props Tool, and everybody that signs up for the first time, well, you get $25. All you have to do is sign up and deposit for the first time. All new users get a $25 deposit bonus with the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. They brought a very cool way to play DFS with Player Prop Contest. 100% peer-to-peer, levels the playing field. They have 500-plus props offered. And when you look at something like No House Advantage, it's different than the other ones. One, you're building lineups, right? No salary, none of that, but you're just taking the over, the under, no juice on either side. But the player, the props that you put at the top of your lineup are rewarded the most points. The ones at the bottom, maybe you're least confident in, they get the fewest points. And you're going up just as you would in a tournament against anybody else. Very sick. Uh, hence the name, No House Advantage. Uh, like I said, projections free, optimal lineup tool free, 365 days a year over at Awesome O. And the props are static, meaning they don't change throughout the day. You can find a real edge there, comparing them with Odd Shopper, uh, comparing them to, to the tools, to our player prop tools. So go over to nohouseadvantage.com, download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever you want, and use the promo code Awesome O to get a $25 deposit bonus when you sign up. All right. When it comes to value, are there any good value options? And and how much does it muddy the waters knowing that we could be getting uh, reinforcements back off the bench for Golden State today? We'll wrap yeah. it up with that. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be playing Jason Tatum uh, captain, if you're going to be playing Steph Curry captain, even Jalen Brown captain, you're going to have to find some somebody on this bottom end. I think Gary Payton the second, if he plays, I think I'm willing to embrace that unknown more than I am a Kaminga, more than a Moody, more than a Bielitsa, more than an Andre Iguodala. I think the field is too, 15.7%, but I think there's paths to leaving salary on the table a little bit and not having as much duplication by going his direction. The guy was starting games before his injury. He had back-to-back starts, gets hurt in that game two against Memphis, and obviously he's been out since then. It's not a lower body injury. It's not something that we need to be concerned about as conditioning, but he had really found some some prominence as as a as a option in, in that Denver series. And you know, every every series has its own matchups and its own situations, but he's so good defensively. We've seen that over and over again. The mitten just doing some work. So I think Gary Payton the second, as weird as it is, right out of the gate is my favorite sub 3K guy that exists on this slate. I think Peyton Pritchard also needs to kind of be discussed because he was basically relegated to the bench uh, when you saw Derek White start to come to prominence. But there might be a first rotation in a first quarter of a game one where he knocks down shots or has some kind of utility. And if Jordan Poole's going to be on the floor more, there's a path for him, Derek White, guys like that, to maybe be out there a little bit more as well, just because there's not really a, a one-for-one type of type of a thing. And Peyton Pritchard defensively, I think he can stay in front of some guys. I mean, he's not a complete zero in that regard, not as good as Derek White or definitely not as good as a Marcus Smart, but he's kind of a guy that I've got my eye on just because he's two or 3% and people are more inclined to go down a little bit further to the likes of Andre Iguodala or Bielitsa right now. So it's a little bit of an ownership play, but I think it has some utility where if he's making shots, you know, you can find a path to getting 10 or 12 uh, sub 3K or sub 4K at being optimal on this slate. Last question before we turn it over to the MLB strategy show, it's Terry McBride coming up next with Chris Pinnell. How many minutes are you going to project Kevon Looney for? Oh man. It's tough. Uh, it's like, I feel like it's one of the most important questions, especially if Gary Payton plays. I think this is the best way to explain it. There's a middle and the middle I think is perfectly expressed because people want to have a minutes projection. I think 28 is the perfect number. And that's what we have here at Osmo. But I might build him in with 22 just for the sake of, I want to get next to none. Um, 18.9% with Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins cheaper. I think I'm going to take my chances on, on Al Horford and on Robert Williams finding ways to kind of mitigate Kevon Looney. There was no answer for him when you're talking about Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba. Uh, being on the offensive boards there. They have the bodies and they have the capability to, to kind of handle Kevon Looney a little bit more. Now, if he just is going to go on a tear like we saw last series, screw it, whatever. Um, but for this first game right out of the gate, I think there's just a chance that he gets ran off the floor. I want to embrace that. So I'm going to project him a little bit lower, get next to none and kind of take my chances. Okay. I don't have an issue with that, but it is a tough spot to try and nail down yep. for sure. Because yeah. if he plays 30, I'm dead. Yeah, because Kevon Looney on a per-minute basis, especially this postseason, dead. he's been right around the fantasy point per minute. Dead. Yeah, we'll yeah. see, though. Fortunately, you, you might not be dead because he's the same prices. Uh, he's essentially the same price as Thompson, Horford, Wiggins, and he's $600 more than Green now. So I think you could probably mitigate that anyway. And – the, the, the reason I asked you is because that volatility and the uncertainty with his minutes, I would embrace the shit out of that 
if he was, you know, the same price as Derek White. But he's the same price as all of the other starters now, not named, you know, Tatum, Curry, Brown, and Smart. I, I don't see why you would need to embrace that volatility or, or at least the uncertainty. I don't really know why. Yeah, if you're making 150, you're going to land on a couple shares. Well, but sure. If you're, playing, if you're playing, you know, 20 max, if you're, if I'm building out a lot of lineups, I can guarantee you amongst anybody over 6,200 uh, above Robert Williams, he's the guy I will get to the least. Yeah. And granted, his ownership is considerably lower than these other guys. But it's still 19%. It's not yeah. like it's zero. That's the rake. Exactly. Still don't know that it's worth it. Anyway, appreciate you guys hanging out. We got a ton coming up today. MLB strategy show. You got the M uh, MMA strategy show at one o'clock. What else do we have going on? M uh, MLB deeper dive. NBA deeper dive. I'll be back at seven. Uh, NBA live before lock. Coming up, Greg and Eric at 8 o'clock. So uh, we're with you all day long right here on the YouTubes. Follow uh, uh, Eric at Eric Linquist, me at Lafayette underscore D. And as always, shout out to our boy Jordan Klein for producing this one. We'll see you back here later tonight. Peace.